0: Restoration Church. How are you today? It is great to be here together at Restoration Church. We are one church meeting in multiple different places, and so just a welcome to Plymouth and the Milton, and unfortunately to, I guess, online church is going to be following us and watching our message later in the week because Right now, online service isn't working, so if you've got some friends who are texting you and are like, is church still going on today, you can text them back, yes, you should have been here in person. Um, That's just one of the unfortunate things. We are doing an upgrade to online church that was on the docket and planned for next year, the beginning of next year, Um, but uh, we'll probably be moving that forward here a little bit uh, into this year. Uh, it was an exciting week for the church. Pastor Stephen and his wife Rinku had their baby girl this week, so mom and baby are healthy. That's pretty exciting. I try to keep track, but I'm pretty sure they were the last of that wave of babies, and now we're on to the next wave. So uh, it is pregnancy announcements that were this week um, within our church and a bunch over the last couple of months, and now we're moving into the next wave, and that's always very exciting uh it's always a, you know just just love that and uh so uh yeah we just, i think in a couple of weeks I'll be in Milton location uh dedicating a few babies there including pastor Andrew and Lulu's baby so anyway just lots of fun lots of things going on at the church and excited about uh, new life, brand new life, and, and certainly those of you who are just beginning to follow Jesus and the new life that you're having. It's a dramatic thing when you start following Jesus. That's why Jesus said it was like being born again. As you're starting brand new, you're you're learning a whole new way to live as you're following him. And, and these moments where we open God's word together are part of that process of learning about the kingdom of God, learning what it is to follow Jesus. And today. It, we're, as we're moving into, as we're talking about miracle offering and kingdom builders, that there's a challenge for you, that one that I'll give you as your pastor, but, but also another one that God's giving to you as, his, as your heavenly father, where he's challenging you to trust him and to follow him and to be something and someone that he can use to build his kingdom here in New Hampshire and around the world. I'll talk about what Miracle Offering is as we move through the service, but this morning it's not going to be about cliche statements that maybe you've heard in church growing up. Um, if, you're, if you're someone who's going to go into ministry and to be a pastor and you go to a Bible college, one thing you'll hear said in in Bible college around the world is God's will, God's bill. Meaning if he tells you to go to that Bible college, he'll pay for it. Uh, sometimes you'll pay for it um, over the next 30 years of your life. Uh, but um, that's probably connected to one of our testimonies at the end of the service. And then something else that you've probably heard before is you can't outgive God. And we've talked about that before. I won't talk about that now. But certainly there's kind of some truth to both of those, that what God tells you to do, you know, that he brings a provision for it. But I don't want to talk about a, a statement that, that is uh, probably overused and, um, and probably underapplied, but really want to talk and teach about God's provision before we move into the miracle offering. Now let's talk about God's provision because that's gonna be new for some of you. I know we've got people in services today who've only been uh, following the Lord for a few weeks. So everything's brand new. I know some of us we've been following the Lord for multiple decades, and God's provision is something that we could be taking for granted, or or even that we've because of our careers and our jobs, we've we've forgotten that it was God who provided those things. And because we're comfortable now, we're not seeking the Lord for for provision anymore because kind of he, we feel like he's met all of our needs already. So there's there's nothing else that we need to be looking to him for, which is a really kind of a wrong way to live. Jesus taught us in the Lord's prayer to pray, God, give us today our daily bread. And that's Part of that heart, God, supply for me what I need today. Now, God's provision, it is not just financial. One, he's provided for you salvation, a way to him, a way to heaven, a way for forgiveness. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5, this was written um, in prophecy about Jesus. Before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah wrote this about him. And it said, we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. And and some thought that Jesus got what he deserved, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. That's us. That's you. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And this is a reminder that God's provision has been active in your life. When you needed to be saved from judgment, God provided a savior for you, Jesus. That's why we worship. That's why we, that's why we open the word. That's why we pray to him. That's why we follow him. That's why we give to him hits our motivation for everything. He gave us salvation. He gave us Jesus before we ever earned it or deserved it or even wanted it. He did it while we were still His enemies. Not only does he provide salvation for us, but he provides everything we need. In Second Peter chapter one, verse number three, it says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And I, th- I think that's a scripture you need to get tattooed on you. Because sometimes we think that, I just can't do it. I can't follow Jesus. I can't get over these habitual sins. I can't, I can't change my life. Well, it, you know, those things are all true. That's why we needed a savior. But God, he gives you everything you need to live a godly life. Everything. So if you think about where you are now and where you know God wants you to be in the future, that's not something to be overwhelmed by. That's not something to be discouraged by, but this verse is something to memorize and to tell yourself daily, to tell yourself daily, he has given me everything I need to live a godly life. How can you, as as a, a single guy in your, you know, in your 20s, how can you... How can you live a godly life with your sexuality? It's just the culture is not going to live the way that God's called you to live, and it seems like this is impossible. There's no way I can do this. God has given you everything you need for a godly life. You think about you, know, um, you think about retirement and um, and the needs that you're going to have in the future. And you think there's no way I can do it. I you know there's no way I'm going to make it through. God has given you everything you need for a godly life. The things in you that you cannot change, he will change, he can change. And it's just daily, daily letting him work in us, tinker in us, change us, bit by bit by bit, yielding and laying down before him everything that he calls us to at the time he calls us to do it. Sometimes it's entertainment, sometimes it's a job, sometimes it's a relationship, sometimes it's an attitude, sometimes it's an issue of unforgiveness, but as we lay those things down, as he tells us to, he gives us the power and the ability to do it. He provides all we need in order to follow him in this life, no matter what culture is doing or saying or the pressure we face, we can live the life he has for us. Today, if you open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16, we're going to look through, uh, and you can stay there through the remainder of the message, we're going to look through this scripture and this historical count of the Hebrew people uh, and to f- see how God interacted with them and to learn, God, this morning as we're moving into miracle offering, as we're not just living this life one Sunday, but, but hoping, God, and praying that you'll use us in this for the rest of our life, how do we do this? And so learning from them, applying it to our life, and allowing God to change us this morning. What we're reading is, if you're not familiar with the story, the Hebrew people were slaves of Egypt. And, and, and that happened in history, and God moved and delivered them from Pharaoh, delivered them from slavery, and eventually they were given a land of their own, and, and the promises that God gave to Moses, that he gave to Abraham, that he gave to, to David, those promises were fulfilled, and the promises even of a coming Savior that we read about in Isaiah 53, that promise happened and that promise came to be. In Exodus chapter 16, we're going to look through this story of God providing for Egypt and then learning through, uh, through that story. So uh, starting at verse number three, what we see is the Hebrew people complaining. It says, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. They were slaves. And now their current situation, they just wish that they were dead. There, when we were in slavery, we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. One quick thought here after reading the scripture, and I'm certain I've preached on this before, but, uh, but just as a reminder, and probably something we have to continually remind ourselves, don't complain about what you don't have. We look at what we don't have, we, you know, we're, we're looking at our phone and we're looking at the person reading the Bible app on their phone and we're like, man, I wish I had a nice phone. Um, we're looking at our house and looking at what other people have and we're complaining about what we don't have. We're complaining to God about what we don't have. And you've got to flip that. Don't complain to God about what you don't have, but you have to always continually thank him for what you do have. They were complaining, you know what? we don't have pots of meat, we don't have all the bread we can eat, but they were forgetting that what they do have is freedom from slavery. What they do have is a freedom from, from their oppressors, from their beatings, from, from, from hard labor. They needed to, someone needed to speak up and say, wait a minute, let's stop complaining, let's start being grateful. And if you will wake up, if you will, uh, I'll just stick that up here and see, hopefully that doesn't happen again. If you will be in a posture of continually giving thanks for what he's given of what you do have, you know what happens? You love what you have. You're grateful for what you have. You enjoy what you have. You know what would happen, for those of you who are married, if in your mind you would stop complaining about your spouse and start thanking, being thankful for your spouse, just the dynamic change that would do in your relationship just by changing that one thought. So when you begin to think, my wife is not a good cook you can begin to say but i'm thankful she's a good kisser when you begin to think my wife is not a good kisser you can think i'm grateful she's a good cook and you just begin to be you just begin to be thankful for what you do have and it changes the posture of your relationship it changes the entire dynamic of your relationship Verse number four, then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. What a party. What a good God. Each day, the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. That's a key thing here that we're going to look at in a moment. He says, on the sixth day, I will gather food. And when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, by evening you will realize that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. God has said, listen, I'm going to provide for you. This is a similar promise for us. I am going to provide for you. When we're thinking about um, the needs of our family, when we're thinking about being kingdom builders, when we're thinking about uh, just the things that God's calling us to do, the the calling and the positions that he has in your life, the dreams that he's put in your heart. It is true, he will provide it for you. And, And this is also true. He wants to provide it for you. He does not want you to do it all on your own. He wants you to rely on him, to trust him, and to lean on him throughout that entire process. Now, a couple of things here. Looking at this, the first is that God's provision has a procedure. We just read that, that God is going to test them and see whether or not they're going to follow his instructions. And this is a test for us. When we want God's provision, there's a procedure that he's put in front of us to follow. When we follow that, we experience the provision. When we don't follow that, we experience some things that aren't so pleasant. In verse number 13, it said, that evening... A vast number of quail flew in and covered the camp. The next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. Then then Moses told them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs, pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did what they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little, but when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. God's ability to provide for my family does not limit his ability to provide for your family. If there's someone in the church who, 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 has, who has very, very much, that does not take away from God providing for families who have very, very little. We do not have to be jealous of each other. We do not have to be suspicious of each other. We do not have to be angry with each other. God, what, it, what again, our, our motivation needs to be, God, if you can do it for them, you can do it for me. God, in the way of they're trusting you, God, I, I'm going to trust in you. And allow, just allow that to change the selfish, sometimes demonic thoughts that we have. So, God's provision as a procedure for them, they were told what to do gather what you need for that day and only that day. On the sixth day, gather for two days because Sunday, you're not going to work, we're going to worship and this was this was what was put before them this was the instruction financial provision it has a procedure and we can look in scripture and see a few different things, a few different procedures that God has given us, that he's instructed us with, that are a test for us, a test to see whether or not we will follow his instructions. The first test for us is tithing 10% of our income and giving that back to God. This This makes some people uncomfortable. This makes other people very excited. Because when you've begun to do this and you've trusted God with this, you recognize that uh, that it's true that when you trust him with your finances that he then uh, supernaturally works in your finances. For those who are tithing... I've never met anybody tithing who was who, who had tithed throughout their lifetime who was then bitter about it or thought that God had stolen from them. I've always found them to be extremely grateful, and they, the people who tithe, are more convinced of the importance of tithing than than certainly than they, they what they what they're realizing in in their heart is that those who aren't are missing out. They're missing out on that. Joy, they're missing out on that privilege. They're missing out on that on, on that uh, on that excitement. Sometimes people ask, "Is there any way around this?" And no, it's part of the it's part of the procedure. It's part of the instructions. In 2 Corinthians chapter nine, verses six through eight, we see a couple of other instructions. One is to give generously. This is where the saying "You reap what you sow" comes from. Those who give generously will reap generously. This is, a, this is in verse number six here in Second Corinthians. And so this is one of the instructions that God has said. Listen, in the, with, the, with the generosity you give, that's the generosity that I'll give back to you. It's one of the instructions. It's one of the procedures. The second thing here is to give cheerfully. And we see this in verse number eight. God does not want you to give reluctantly or in response to pressure. And so I want you to know that I'm not trying to put pressure on you or, or to get you or you're trying to take money out of your pockets. That's not at all, as has not at all ever been the approach of Restoration Church. It says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So the procedure for provision from God is to tithe 10%. We trust him with everything we have by doing that. It's to give generously, and it's to give cheerfully, and that's a big part of it. That's a huge part of it, and God wants you to learn what that is. This morning, as Michelle and I give, we give cheerfully, excitedly, looking forward to these mornings where we get to be obedient and I, you know, our conversation this week, honestly, frankly, was, um, you, you know, we we talked through a number, all right, this is a number that's not comfortable, we can do, so we should probably go higher than that. We get to that number, and then we're like, I just still, still God, what do you want us to give? What is it that you want us to give? So we kind of come to another conclusion, and our thoughts and prayers, and, and, and we've shared this before in other messages, but... It's always like, all right, God. This, if this is what you're asking us, we'll do it. We just want to be sure. Are you sure you don't want us to give more? Is there a different challenge for us? Is there a different op- is there something we're not seeing? Is, are we being too small, even in our generosity? And we and we have these conversations together because we don't want to miss out. If God's calling us to take a huge step of faith, then we want to take it. And I think it is a huge step of faith. But if maybe he's got a giant, a big giant jump of faith. uh, We don't want to miss it. Now, here's what we're going to see. God's provision isn't the problem. His ability to provide for us isn't the problem. Our obedience is the problem. He's given us these instructions because he wants to test us. He's given us these instructions to follow, this procedure to follow. When we do, then that... um, Then we see in verse number 8 of 2 Corinthians, and God will generously provide all you need. So here's the instructions, here's the procedure, do that, I'm going to provide all you need. So his provision isn't the problem, our obedience is the problem. The Israelites, the Hebrew people, they had their instructions, they had their procedure to follow, some of them didn't follow it. And we read this in verse number 19, Moses told them, don't keep any of it until the morning. So you're going to make what you need for that day. You're going to consume it that day. You're not going to save any leftovers. But verse number 20, some of them didn't listen, and they kept some of it until morning. But then at morning, they wake up. The food was full of maggots, and it had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. They had a procedure. They had the instructions. They needed to trust God daily. And they couldn't trust him daily. He did a miracle, but they couldn't see beyond the moment of that miracle. They couldn't, some of them weren't able to just trust him with their entire life. Oh, I see, God, you did a miracle right now, but I'm still going to take care of myself for tomorrow because I don't know if you'll come through tomorrow. Manna turned to maggots. And God's blessings in your life, the things that he's put in your life, the way that he's provided for you in your life, if we... Sit in the place where we don't trust him for tomorrow, it begins to change in our hearts. Instead of being a person of generosity, certainly then we become a person of greed. Instead of being a person of faith, we become a person of fear. And it begins to twist in our heart. Something turns sour in our heart. And we miss out on what he has for us. And you know what? Those people with that maggoty, stinky manna, they had a choice. To eat that the next day and allow that to be their provision. Or they had a choice to repent and say, I'm sorry, God, for not trusting you. I'm going to throw this out. I'm going to go out. And I'm going to follow you, your instructions today. As you look at your life over, over, over the six weeks that you followed Jesus, over the six decades that you followed Jesus, have you been following his instructions in this area? And what has been the outcome of it? What has been the outcome of your heart? Has it become sweet like honey wafers as, as manna was described? Or has it become like this day-old manna where there's a sourness in there? And, you're, and, you, and you haven't trusted God in a long time. Now, why did God provide the food? Was it just to keep them satiated, just to keep them quiet? It's like feeding um, feeding Cheerios to a two-year-old, two like, stop crying, eat a Cheerio. Um, is this what God's doing? No, God's provision had a purpose. God's provision in your life has a purpose. God's provision through miracle offering has a purpose. In verse number 32, Moses tells them, this is what the Lord commanded, fill a two-quart container with manna to preserve it for your descendants. So they're gonna take some of the manna and it's going to become a historical artifact for them. Then later generations will be able to see the food I gave you in the wilderness when I set you free from Egypt. And there it stayed in the, uh, in, in, you know, when the temple was built and in the tab- there it stayed with them for many, many generations until eventually the temple was, was destroyed and it was ransacked and, um, and their artifacts were all stolen and and lost. God is saying, hey, listen, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for you every day. But it is about future generations following me. And we don't ever want to forget that generosity is all about the gospel. Generosity is so that all will know, so that all will hear. Generosity in God's God's provision for us is about his promise, his promise that anyone who believes and calls on the name of Jesus will be saved and forgiven. Generosity, God's provision, it's always about those who do not yet know. When we think about God's trying to take something from me, God's trying to to steal from me, and hopefully you never think that But if you do, we've got to remind ourselves, it is not about me at all. It is about his good news, his salvation story. Those who do not yet know, those who haven't yet followed, it is about them. And then there's also a personal benefit for us in verse number six. Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, by evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. God calls us. On this generosity journey, God calls us into relying him for our daily provision because he wants us to realize it was the Lord, that it was God working in you, that he's active in your life, that he cares about you, and that he is your source and your supply and your God. It's not your employer. It's not your career. It's not your abilities. It's not your material things. No, he's your God. He's your God. It's Miracle Offering today. And on Miracle Offering uh, Sunday, each year we bring our best financial gift and give it to Kingdom Builders. And um, Kingdom Builders is our giving above our tithe, and it goes to three categories, global mission projects, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. And it's a broad... You know, there's a lot of different things that we try to do within our, those categories. But this year, we've already given to, or we will give to by the end of the year, uh, Cuba Bible College, and that gift was already given. Um, the, the church in Cuba is growing, but faces uh, severe uh, oppression from the government. Uh, churches are often persecuted, pastors arrested, churches shut down. They're always under surveillance. And, um, and so anyway, we gave to help raise up and educate the pastors there. Our teenagers, um, Kingdom Builders Give Project is Speed the Light, and so we'll be matching their giving. Our kids, their Kingdom Builders Project is BGMC, Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge. We'll be matching their giving. We've got Restoration Recovery that we are so close to launching. Honestly, we could have launched it in October, but there's a lot of moving parts, um, more moving parts than we thought. We have um, our plan for restoration recovery is kind of four arms of it, and probably three of them, if we absolutely had to, we could launch this week. I and mean, we are that close to doing that. so we're very excited about that. I was our goal this year to hire a kids pastor, which we've done. Pastor Rob Fordette just started full time at the church two weeks ago. We're excited about that. We have our year two and three internship, which is ongoing. You'll hear testimony from Colin here in a moment. Earlier this year, we did Feed One, and every month we're feeding sixty-seven kids uh, a month uh, around just through Feed One around the world through. Uh, through Convoy of Hope, and then Church Rescue, which is an organization helping pastors and trying to stop the tide of closing churches around the world. And the projections for the amount of churches that could close within the next few years it's fr- is honestly frightening, and so we'll be giving toward that as well. On your seat is an offering envelope, a miracle offering envelope. I'd like you to grab that. I'm going to give you some instruction. I know some of you are here for the first time today. I don't want you to feel awkward or weird, so I'm going to give you some instructions on how to blend in, honestly. Um, some of you, um, you, haven't had a, you haven't talked. You haven't talked to your spouse. You haven't thought about it. Maybe even just you're, you could be here for the first time or the second time here today, and you just feel prompted, like, God's talking to you. Trust me follow me. And this is a big step in your spiritual development. So we'll just talk through what's going to happen and so how you can participate. In a moment, we're going to give. And we're going to give as a church at every location, we're going to give. And this Sunday, this is the one Sunday a year when we do this, excuse me, one Sunday a year where we do this, we have everybody stand, we have everybody come forward and give their gift in the front. Um, again, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna talk to you if you're new here about how to participate. Maybe it's your first time here, how to participate. Uh, but, but that's just what we do. And that's one of the ways that we celebrate to the, together. And it is an exciting thing. Um, and every year the miracle offering has been beyond our expectations. God has done true miracles through it. What happens is uh, uh, if you... If you've already given, or if you're giving online right now, you can give through the, through the app, uh, My Church Center app. If you've given online, what I want you to do on your envelope is to write on it, I gave online today. And when, when we have everybody come up front, you gave online, you gave. So come up, bring your envelope, put it in the basket, don't feel weird about it. Thank you for giving. If you're giving next week, write that on your envelope. Maybe you forgot your checkbook because you haven't used it since last year and you don't even know where it is. Um, Maybe you haven't downloaded the Church Center app because you haven't been paying attention to the announcements every single week. Um, whatever it is, I'm gonna give next week. Write that down. Don't, you know, and so you bring that forward, put that in. And if you cannot give at all, you know what, I want you to participate in this. I want you to take a step of faith. What I'd love for you to write on the envelope is, I can't give right now, but I'm praying that next year I can give this amount. I'm praying that, that I can start giving this amount to Kingdom Builders every month. And write that down on your envelope. And I want everybody to participate. And if, you're, if it's your first time here today, and you're like, talking about money and my first time in church, never coming back, write that down. <laughs> Whatever you need, just, just invite everybody to participate. And every kid in the service today, I want you to participate as well. And so you don't have a job, you don't have an allowance, you don't do chores. You just write down like, I'm a lazy kid. I don't do chores. My parents don't give me any money, but everybody participating in service today. Now for the last two years through our Kingdom Builders, you've supported our year two and year three internship. And you may wonder what impact has it made. And we've had multiple uh, young adults go through the internship over the last three years. Uh, But for the last two years, our Kingdom Builders Giving has invested in our year two and three interns. And if you've ever wondered what impact that has made, I'm going to show you a video of that in just a moment. So as the video is playing, pay attention to the testimony that Colin's going to share with you. And then begin to fill out your uh, your Kingdom Builder's Giving. And when the video ends, they'll give us the next instructions on what to do in this service. So I'll just play this testimony video.
1: December, kind of like the fall of December, I was going to college at Plymouth State, um, kind of going to a pre-med bio route. I had a full ride. I kind of set my whole high school up experience to um, basically get this full ride to college. And I did, and it was great. Um, But the whole time I was at college, it felt off. It felt like I shouldn't be there, but I didn't know why. Um, at the time, I had come to the church and started doing follow with um, Chris Pike, and he kind of walked me through my journey and my my own faith. And um, growing up in the church, I went often, but I didn't. There was always just something missing. It just felt like I kind of was just going to get that kind of completed, and I just felt something more here. And so um, it. December rolled around in 2018 and the Restoration Church had gifts that they sent out and um, one being a gift card another one being this internship and this is probably what I've been praying for the whole time in college I was praying with Chris and just praying that something would change um, something that God would reveal something I was like God if you have something for me please please show me and I just remember countless days and countless nights just praying and um, just being on my hands and knees, just praying to God and asking him for something something more. And then the internship opened and I got a call from Pastor Andrew right away. And he was like, hey, I really think you should look into this. Uh, I think you should consider dropping out of college. And I was at first, I was like, okay, God, like this is exactly what you've been asking and I'll do it. And so without really a second thought, I just jumped into it. And next thing you know, I'm filling out, dropout papers <laughs> for college. And um, it, it was good. It felt weird but it felt right. I started the internship not too long after, um, right at the end of January around my birthday. And it, it was probably going through the last three years um, have been definitely a difference in my faith and a difference in my walk. I feel like I'm a whole new person. I, I, at the beginning, I was like this goofy kid, still I'm goofy now, but this goofy guy who um, was really just trying to find his place in ministry and just trying to find his place in general. Um, and just going through the different years, learning more, um, really diving into my walk with God um, has really changed the way I see things. And COVID hit and I just kind of went into this mental health kick, where um, I wasn't doing the best mental health wise. And I decided that I needed, something needed to change. So I started going to therapy. It started um, kind of changing my thought on how I serve and how I give to God and um, my whole life kind of shifted then. I just started to see serving God in a whole new way. And it honestly, it's, it was a huge life shift. And if it wasn't for the internship, if it wasn't for being able to do this for the last three years, I wouldn't be where I'm at today in my walk and in my in my faith with God and, um, and in my relationship that I have with Him. And these last three years have really shown me the importance of having faith, having trust, and knowing that no matter how much um, I'm given that God will continue to be faithful. I'm faithful as well. And like starting at the beginning of the internship, I wasn't, I wasn't gaining a lot of money. I didn't have a lot of income, but I was just focused on God. And I was like, God, if you have this plan for me, I'm going to continue to stay faithful. And through the three years, He just kept just like just sharing that word faith. Just continue to have faith in me. Continue to trust in me, and I did. And here I am, getting ready to graduate. The last um, in the next two months. And I'm honestly excited, and if it wasn't for just continuing pouring into what God has for me, um, I probably would be stuck, and I probably would not like college, and I probably would have a hard time getting through the last four years of college. But I'm glad that I did, and honestly, this has changed my life forever. December.
0: Thank you guys for investing in Colin. And I'm uh, just excited to share with you that as Colin, Colin's internship ends, he's going to be joining our pastoral team as kids pastor at our Plymouth location. It's pretty amazing. You, just, you know, we, we, that investment that we made into the internship a couple of years ago, when, as he was starting his year two internship, we didn't know that that would be the next step for him. But it's exciting, and that investment now is going to be is going to continue to make just these generational changes as he is uh, leading and investing himself into the kids at that location. It's pretty amazing. Well, would you hold your envelope up, and Michelle is going to uh, lead us in prayer, and uh, location pastors, you guys can come up to the stage, why don't everybody, why don't you stand up at every location, and Michelle's gonna pray, and then we're gonna, we're gonna give, and so once Michelle says amen, we just invite you to come out of your seats, and to begin to walk forward, and to put the gifts in the, in the, uh, in the envelope here, Michelle, will you pray?
2: God, I thank you so much that we get to give, God, that we were able to ask you for a number, and God, that you are continuously stretching our faith, that we're trusting you, and we're praying as a church body, God, as we hold up our gift to you, God, that you would do more than we can imagine, just like you did in Colin's life, God, when we gave a few years ago to the internship, God, that you completely, radically changed his path and his career, and God, he is fully healed, and fully doing what you've called him to do, God. And he isn't even going to stop there because of because we were able to give. And, God, you did more than we could imagine. God, I pray that you bless us as we give, that you, that you encourage us, God, that you help us to give cheerfully and that you help us to give with joy, God, because this isn't something we have to do. This is something that we get to do, God, because you have already meet, met our needs. You've already given us all that we need to do what you've called us to live a godly life. God, I pray that you continue to use us even after today to continue radically changing the world around us. God, that your name would be spread, that people would know you. God, that lives would be changed, that people struggling would have the strength to do what you've called them to do. God, they would know their purpose in life. And God, I thank you that you're doing it all through us here at Restoration Church. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this offering. We pray that you do what only you can do. In your name we pray, amen.
0: Amen. Let's give. for giving. Church, I thank you so much for participating in giving. Um, Over the next couple weeks, we'll receive, continue to receive offerings toward toward, um, toward the miracle offering. And so I think in two weeks, it's in two or three weeks, we'll announce to you the total. And so we'll share that with you on that Sunday morning. And can't wait to do that uh, together. I'm going to close this in prayer, and then we're free to go hang out in the lobby. Listen, as your pastor, I'm so proud of you for participating, for praying, for allowing God to speak to you and taking the step of faith into doing what he's asked you to do. Jesus, we love you. And I just pray. We just know that every, that every gift given today, is building your kingdom. It's going, to, it's going and sharing your gospel, your good news with those here locally, those around the world. It's raising up future Christian leaders who are going to bring your gospel to hundreds and thousands and ten thousands, uh, 10,000 others through their lifetime. And this gift that we gave today, we have no idea the lives that will be saved through it, but we're confident you're going to use it for your purposes and they're going to be Many who come into the kingdom of God through these gifts. We thank you so much. Thank you, God, for trusting us, allowing us to steward your resources, and cultivating in us a generous heart. We love you and we praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All
2: right, love you guys. See you in the lobby.